Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week seven of our current series, This Changes Everything. And the title of today's message is Knowing the Voice of God. We pray that you enjoy today's word. Slap somebody a high five right now. Give somebody a wave. Tell somebody hello via comments. I also want to encourage you to do something else. I want you to hit that share button right there on your screen and let somebody know that there's hope that God has a word in season for their lives. Well, listen, today I am bringing you a message that I really believe is timely, it's necessary, and it's straight from the heart of God. We've been on a series the last couple of weeks entitled, This Changes Everything. And what we've been seeing is that the Word of God is full of truth, truth that's intended to bring about change in our life. But this isn't, this isn't an ordinary kind of change. It's an extraordinary one because God is at the center of this change. And so today, I'd like to pick up where we left off, and I want to point you to the wisdom and instruction that God has for your life by talking to you on the topic of knowing the voice of God. Knowing the voice of God. One of the greatest benefits of any meaningful relationship is communication that's rooted in a deep and personal connection. In the same way, one of the greatest benefits to our salvation is that God speaks to us personally. Without understanding this, we cannot enjoy true relationship, long-lasting relationship with our Heavenly Father. And whether you believe in God or not, whether you know God to be your God or not, whether you feel close and, and feel like you have a thriving relationship with God or not, I want you to know something, that God is intent on being in relationship with you. Somebody say amen to that. Go ahead and type amen to that. And so it's important for us to learn to distinguish God's voice. As a matter of fact, it's invaluable. Instead of going through life blindly, we can avail ourselves of the wisdom of God to guide us and protect us from unnecessary pitfalls. So there is a true benefit to knowing the voice of God. And today I want to point your attention to the life of Jesus as an example. The Bible records a pivotal uh, moment, a pivotal point in the life of Jesus. Uh, where we're going to pick up today, and you can turn in your Bibles there while we, right before I get there to Luke chapter 4. Uh, at this point, this was a defining moment in his life because it was the point that served as a catalyst for the beginning of his earthly ministry. And the Bible says that Jesus being full of the Spirit, he went into the wilderness for 40 days where he fasted and spent time alone with the Lord. And at the conclusion, at the tail end of these 40 days, guess who shows up? That's right. If you know the story or you don't, I'll tell you. It's the devil. And the devil shows up for one purpose. The scriptures, as we'll see, reveal that he showed up to tempt him. Now, it's important to understand what the Bible's talking about when it says that the devil came to tempt him. And that word tempt there means to prove. In other words, to test the validity, to test the weight, the worth, the value, the, the truth of Jesus' calling. And so the devil was intent on testing the worth of Jesus' call. And that's important to understand because this has not stopped 
happening today. See, even in these trying times, there's something that the enemy is whispering into your ear, into my ear, into this world, and he's testing what we believe. And for some of us, because we're not sure or we don't know the word, we don't know the voice of God, maybe we're falling short. I've got good news for you today. The word of God has something to say to you. God wants you to know his voice because God wants you to overcome. And so let's turn to Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 3. We're going to read through to verse 14. It starts off by saying, the devil said to him, meaning Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left them unto an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. And so in these verses, we see something. It's nothing new from Satan. Just as he's done in our lives, we find him intent on bringing about the fall of Jesus before his ministry begins. And I want you to know that even in these difficult times, there is something new. There is something better that, li that lies ahead for you. There's something that God's trying to reveal to you, somewhere that God's trying to lead you. There's strength that God's trying to add to you. There's wisdom that God's trying to open your understanding to. And in the midst of this, there is a devil. There is an enemy, a whisperer that comes and tries to deter you from even getting started just like he did to Jesus. And what we see here is that he attempts to cause Jesus and he attempts to cause us to falter in three areas of life. The first one is his source of provision. The enemy comes to Jesus and he says to him, why don't you take these stones and turn them to bread? See, he's trying to get Jesus, and he, the same way he tries to get us, to look to things and try and grasp for them on our own at the expense of forsaking the hand of God and his provision. What we also see is that he tempted Jesus, attempting to lead him to uh, step away from his source of authority. The enemy comes and he says to Jesus, hey, why don't you jump off from here? You can do it. Don't worry about it. God will send his angels all over and, and they, they'll try and uh, uh, they, they'll, they'll carry you. They'll catch you and they won't let you fall. So he's leading Jesus He's attempting to lead Jesus to forsake his source of authority. And in the same way, he's also leading Jesus and he attempts to lead us by getting us to forsake our source of confidence. And so in response to every attempt 
we would be wise to notice how Jesus responded. Jesus responds with these words. It is written. And then he declares the word of God in the midst of the temptation and the voice and the lies of the enemy. And so there's a couple of things that we learn from this encounter. We learn that there is more than one voice that speaks in your life. There's more than one voice. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth is this. That all the news that we're intent upon staying up to date with, all the opinions, all the, the, the uh, voices of people and, and, and what people are saying and what people are doing, there's another voice at work. And we're going to see that in Scripture in a second. But there is the voice of God, but there's also the voice of Satan. And here's the thing about Satan. He doesn't, he doesn't come to you and say, ta-da, here I am. Let's have a conversation. No, no, no. He's sly. He whispers. He hides behind people, behind circumstances, behind things. And I want you to understand that you must recognize not just the voice of God, but understand when the enemy is lying to you. We got to look to the voice of God. We also learn from this encounter that Jesus had that God's voice is distinguished by knowing his word. God's word is distinguished by knowing his word. We don't have an understanding. If we don't have an intimate uh, uh, relationship with the word of God, if we're not seeking truth, from the word of God, then the truth is that the, we, will, we will minimize our ability to hear the voice of God. Jesus himself, in the midst of temptation, did not respond to Satan and say, hey, you know what, Satan? That sounds really good, but let me tell you what Peter said. Or let me tell you what CNN said. Or let me tell you what this person says. No, instead, Jesus defers to the source and the truth that's revealed through the word, because that is the voice of God. And the last thing we see is from this encounter that knowing God's voice is essential to overcoming the schemes of Satan. Knowing God's voice is essential to overcoming the schemes of Satan. Listen, the truth is this, that just like God has a plan, so does the enemy. And we will bend to one or the other based upon where we incline our ear and our heart to. God wants you to know his voice. And so in light of these things that we've just started to look at, we can only come to one conclusion, that you must know how to distinguish when God is speaking to you. I'm going to say that again. You, somebody say with me, I must know. Yes, I must know how to distinguish when God is speaking to me. Listen, if you're relying on a pastor to help you distinguish the voice of God, let me tell you that that's secondhand information. If you're relying on the opinion of people, you're relying on secondhand information. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> excuse me, discrediting the power of people that teach the word. But what I'm saying is that God wants you to know his voice intimately. And so you and I must know how to distinguish when God is speaking to us. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to talk to you about how to distinguish who is speaking to you. And the first point 
that I want to give you here is that God's voice stills you. Satan's voice rushes you. See, Jesus was on the verge of beginning a ministry that would prove to change the entire world. But Satan was intent upon encouraging Jesus to get ahead of God's plan. He says to him, hey, go ahead and provide yourself some bread from these stones. He says to him, you don't need God's authority. You you don't need to rely on God's authority. Go ahead and take things into your own hand and make it happen for yourself. After all, even God will take care of you if you're falling. And so what I want you to see is this, that in a day and age where we live with the constant pressure to perform, to achieve, to excel, to make it, to make sense of life and make it work for ourselves, we have to come to a question on a daily basis. Who am I listening to? Who am I listening to? Take a moment just to consider that for yourself. Who are you listening to right now? Where is your heart inclined? If, and, you know, a good indication of that is where your thinking takes you. Are you fearful? Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm asking you. Are you full of fear? Are you anxious? Are you worried and weighed down with cares? Are you fretting? Are you full of a, a sense of helplessness and hopelessness? Are you going in between the truth of God's word, but also leaning to your emotional experience in response to what you see around you? You see, how you respond to life is a great indicator to who you're listening to. And see, it's not my job, and there's no condemnation in that. It's not my job to, to point You know, I'm not speaking down to anyone here, but we have to be real with ourselves. Because at the end of the day, if we just lean in and examine how we're responding to life, we would be able to discern who we're listening to. And the good news is this, that if you're struggling right now, there's a reason why you're hearing this message at this point. It's because God is wanting you to know that he's present and he's beckoning you to trust him to know his voice, to know his good purposes and plans. And so what we see here is that at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, right before the start of it, Satan is rushing Jesus. He's saying, hey, do this for yourself. Make this happen for you. And what we see is that Jesus responds with truth. Listen to what Psalm 46 verse 10 says. It says that he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so what we see here from this this verse is this, that it's in stillness, not busyness, that we can hear God. I'm going to say that again. It's in stillness, not busyness, that we can hear God. Proverbs 3 verse 17 says this, It refers to the wisdom of God, and here's what it says. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. You'll know it's God speaking when the voice of God leads you into a place of peace, as opposed to responding 
with a, with a sense and a necessity to be rushed into something. You know, one of the, the, the biggest things happening right now in response to this current uh, health situation that we're facing as a world, as the world, is of all things, TP. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Toilet paper. Listen, there has been a craze when it comes to toilet paper. And the question is this, why? What is it that's driving us with this sense of urgency that I have to stock up, I have to hoard up, I have to get mine and make sure that I'm covered? What is this pressure that leads us to rush out of our homes at 5 or 4 in the morning and get out on line just to get essentials that are already there? I was listening to a, a radio commentary a while back of all uh, radio stations for it to be on. It was on ESPN. And they did a, a phone interview with a couple who were truckers. Uh, and they've, they say they've been riding together for the last 28 years or so. And they were asking about, you know, what the biggest challenges are right now um, with the food supply chain and, you know, with the, the trucking industry. And they said, you know, the problem isn't the supply. The, the food supply, the supply chain is strong. There is an abundance of supply. But he said, what's making it harder for us is that people are hoarding. They're rushing and overstocking. And so the supply chain is, has a higher demand. Let me tell you why I share that with you, that thought. And there's no condemnation in that. Listen, don't beat yourself up. I'm not here telling you that God's beating you up because you, you've been rushing, you've been feeling pressed to go get some supplies and all that. This, this, I'm not beating you up on that. But what I do want you to see is this, that the voice of Satan rushes us. And as it rushes us, here's what happens. We begin to limit our own supply. We begin to rob ourselves of provision. And so what I want you to see is that Satan's voice rushes you. But according to what we just read in Proverbs 3.17, her ways, speaking of the wisdom of God, the leading of God, the voice of God, it says that all her paths are peace. And God is leading you and I, but he leads us by coming to a place of stillness. Now that doesn't mean that you just sit on your couch and just say, oh God, just Bless me. No, see, faith requires a response. It's active. But what I do want you to see is that when you are following the voice of God and it leads you to stillness, it's talking about a stillness where what it's focusing you on is knowing God and trusting him. Proverbs 19.2 puts it this way. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? And what I want you to consider here is that if you ever feel yourself rushed to make a decision, stop and consider what is at stake. You'll miss the knowledge of God. Let me put that to you another way. You'll miss the voice of God and the way to go. See, haste leads to waste. When we follow the voice of Satan, it leads us to waste. Wasted energy, wasted hopes, wasted and unfulfilled promises, wasted opportunities, waste. 
God has not led you to waste through haste. God has led you to stillness and fullness of life. The second thing that I want you to see here is that God's voice leads you. Satan's voice pushes you. The Bible gives us a clear example of our need to follow the lead of God versus the lead of Satan. I'm going to say that again. God's voice, God's voice leads you. Satan's voice pushes you. And so in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, I'll give you a backdrop here what's going on. David's already been established as king. He has a firm hold on the kingdom of Israel. He's joined the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel, and it's one kingdom, um, and he's leading. Uh, he's, he's put at bay their enemies. The people are prospering. And then one day, Satan whispers in David's ear. He begins to push David in a direction that was unnecessary versus David trusting the voice of God and letting him lead him. And so listen to 1 Chronicles 21, starting at verse 1. It says, Satan rose up against Israel. So Satan is seeking to come against God's people. And watch what it says. It says that he incited David to take a census of Israel. And so David said to Joab and the commanders of the troop, Go and count the Israelites from Beersheba to Dan. Then report back to me so that I may know how many there are. But Joab replied, May the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. May the Lord the king, uh, my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's subjects? Why does my Lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? And so what we see here is that Satan had evil intentions. He had evil intentions towards Israel. And he brought about this plan of destruction, the scripture says, by inciting David to take a census. Simply put, he was saying, hey, David, go ahead and count how many warriors you got. Go ahead and count how many people you have in the kingdom. That word incite there means to push or instigate by way of pricking. In other words, there was this constant thought that was pushing David to go and count the people. And you might question, well, how was that inciting David to do something evil? Well, I'll tell you why. Because David had no need to know how many men of war and how many people he had in the kingdom. You know why? Because God had already established the kingdom. God had already firmly cemented them against their enemies. Everything was good in the kingdom. There was no reason for David to know how many people were in the kingdom except to take confidence in what was under his authority. And so you see, the enemy was pushing David. He was inciting him. He was instigating him. He was pricking him. And what we see is that because David was king and because his word was final, when wise counsel came, when the leader of his armies, Joab, came and said to him, there's no need to do this. There's no need to know how many people are here. We are good. What we see is that David overrode Joab and took action. 
and the, if you'll study this out for yourself, what you'll see is in First Chronicles 21, that this simple act, yet grave as it was, led to the death of over 70,000 people in one day in Israel. All because David followed the pushing of Satan as opposed to watching for the lead of God. See, up until this point, David was following God's lead. But when he listened to Satan, he was pushed, or should I say he allowed himself to be pushed into great error. Had David taken a moment to evaluate what was really going on in the moment, he would have recognized that God was not the one speaking to him when this idea arose. The reason why David went wrong here was because he did not do what had become first and, and, and of priority in his life up until that point. Listen to what David deviated from. In Psalm 119, verses 33 through 36, we read the words of David, inspired by the Holy Spirit. This was his experience. He says, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. In other words, that I may follow this for all my life. He says, give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Do you see what was the defining power in David's life? Do you see where he drew his decisions from? David was intent and knew the leading of God. But where David went wrong and where we go wrong sometimes is what we see from 1 Chronicles is that David did not stop to inquire of God for his leading. Instead, what we see is like David, we do, we, what we do is we go ahead of God because we feel rushed to make something happen. You know, for some of us, we may even ask. We do ask. But the question is, do we wait for an answer? David's greatest successes were, preced were preceded by seeking God and waiting to hear from God. Listen, have you ever been in that, in that type of circumstance where you really are seeking some wisdom and understanding? You need direction from God. And you even go to God and you say, God, what should I do? God, give me direction here. God, show me the path that you have for me. Show me how to address this situation. Only to, after having asked God, then just decide, you know what, let me just do this. See, the thing is, you got to remember, it's not a relationship if all you do is ask God for direction, but never wait for his response. It's not a relationship. And the truth is that we must get to this place where we get back to what is the source of our success, the voice of God. Had David just for a moment paused and inquired of God as opposed to going with a good idea instead of a God idea, 70,000 people would have still been alive in that day. And so what we see is this, that if you don't hear a response, maybe you should wait 
before you take action. See, in David's case, this proved to be detrimental when he followed the pushing, the pricking, the instigating voice of the enemy. The next point that I want to give you is this, that God's voice draws you to his thoughts. Listen closely to this point. God's voice draws you to his thoughts. Satan's voice draws you to men's thoughts. Listen, l- listen to where I'm coming from with this. In his final days, Jesus, once again, we find him telling his disciples that he would be handed over to the chief priests and scribes to be killed. And upon hearing this, the scriptures tell us that Peter takes Jesus aside and watch this. He rebukes him. In other words, he says to him, Jesus, what are you doing? You're in error. You're wrong. You can't, you, 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 you can't do that. You can't say that. You need to check yourself, Jesus, and watch Jesus' response in this. In Matthew 16, 23, we see that Jesus recognized the voice of Satan. He says, it says, that, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God. Watch this. But on the things of man. Let's consider the words of Jesus here. In this moment, Jesus recognizes that it's not Peter driving the thoughts here. That what Peter's saying is not born out of his understanding. It's born out of a lie that has been whispered and deposited in his heart, in his thinking. And what we see is that that thought, that belief at that moment that drove Peter to say, Jesus, you're wrong. You are not going to die. This cannot happen. What we see is that what was driving that was Satan pointing Peter to the ways of men. And so Satan will never draw you by godly thoughts. Listen, Satan may point you to the word, but know this, that when Satan points you to the word, here's what he'll do. He will always twist it. It's important that we know the word of God, that we become familiar with the word of God, that we become students of the word of God. Why? Because we must know how to rightly divide the truth so that we're not fooled by an enemy that wrongly leads us in a way of error. And so in this case, what we see is a ploy of Satan, that he draws us to the thoughts of men. What does that mean? He draws us to respond by feelings. He draws us to popular opinion. He draws us to the expertise of men. Let me tell you something about experts. The experts are experts according to limited information. And so while they may be experts in information, they are not experts in the wisdom of God. And so you and I must come to a place where we realize that the experts can be wrong, but God never is. We must learn to lean to the voice of God that draws us to his thoughts as opposed to the voice of Satan that draws us to the voice of men. You ever been in one of those situations where you, you ask someone for their input or you share your heart with someone and they give you what appears to be a good idea and then it blows up in your face 
And then you say, man, I wish I wouldn't have listened to that person. Let me teach you something this morning. God has not called you and I to rely upon the voice of man. Not even my voice. Not even my opinion. God has called you and I to succeed and overcome and triumph in life as we learn to depend on his voice that draws to his thoughts. You want to go higher in life? You want to find a better way? Listen to the opinion of God. He says, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Listen, he says in his word that, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. Why not look to the thoughts of God? Why not become familiar with the vantage point and the word of God that points us from a higher plane to see results for life? The next point I want to give you here is that God's voice reassures you while Satan's voice frightens you. In John chapter 10, we find Jesus uh, speaking to a group of people known as the Pharisees. And li literally what he's doing is this. He's teaching the people in the midst of these Pharisees that they are liars. And he's identifying the source of their lies. He's exposing the ploys and the plans of Satan. Listen to John chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And then we're also going to look at verses 9 and 10. Jesus speaking here says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Learn something from these verses. Jesus, God, is leading from ahead of us. He's not leading us from behind. He's not pulling us backwards. He's not pulling us to errors. He's not pulling us to old ways. He's leading from the front. Why? Because we're meant to move forward. In verse 5, he says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. In verse 9 of this same chapter, John 10, we see that Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, I remember many years ago, a time such as the one that we find ourselves in today. I remember when uh, the 9-11 attacks took place. And at that point, I had just started working for a company. I was in my early 20s. I was at the beginning point of change in my life. I was seeking something more than friends. I was seeking something more than people. I was seeking something more than everything I had learned to rely on. And you got to understand that, that at this point in my life, prior to this moment that I'm going to share with you, I had made a lot of mistakes. I had, gone through a, I had gone through a lot of heartache. I had gone through a lot of loss. I had burned a lot of bridges. And so um, 
I had made a decision that, you know, I, had, I, had, I needed to begin to cut a lot of things out of my life. And in the midst of this, um, I ended up getting a job. It was a job, actually, where I met my wife. And, um, and I remember we, I had just started working in, 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 in this company. And then 9-11 happens. And I remember that day I was at John Jay College uh, at a training. And uh, our boss called us and he says, uh, go home if you can, you know, and we don't know exactly what's happening. Uh, maybe a week or two after that, we ended up going into the office. And there was a lot of rumblings about what was going to happen in light of what was happening in the economy, in light of the fear that was prevalent um, in the world um, and amongst people. And so there was a lot of talk about the possibility of people starting to lose their jobs. And in that moment, my, my, uh, my mind and my, my belief and my heart began to draw me to a place where I didn't have work. I was short on resources. I was struggling. And my mind began to unravel. I was afraid. I was definitely afraid. I was, I was, I was reliving in my mind before, I, before it could even happen. I was already convinced that I would uh, have to struggle, that I would have to live on unemployment, that I wouldn't be able to, to provide for myself, that things were going to go bad, that everything was going to go wrong, that I was going to end up making even more mistakes and having to go back to a place that I didn't want to go to to make it in life. And at that point, you got to understand that relationship with God was all brand new to me. I felt fear gripping me. And I was envisioning the worst, and as a result, I was literally ready to quit this job, to jump ship. And I was thinking about ways that I could take things into my own hands. And I'm going to tell you why that was happening. Because I was afraid, but I wasn't leaning into the reassurance that God was giving me. What I didn't realize in those first moments when this started happening in my heart and in my life was that there was something being taken from me. I was literally giving up my peace. I was literally giving up and letting go of what was possible in the present and what was to come in the future with God. I was letting go of everything that God had done in my life and what he was doing up until that point. See, there was a thief there was a killer. There was a destroyer in my midst. And he wasn't standing in front of me with a knife. He wasn't uh, beside me taking something right from in front of me. What he was doing was whispering to me. Bringing thoughts that incited fear and worry. And the one that was culpable there for what I was losing in those moments wasn't the enemy. It was me. And I'll tell you why. Because I listened to the voice that frightened me instead of the voice that reassured me. See, during those moments when I kind of began to come out of that fog, that fear, one scripture that truly ministered to my life was Romans 8.28. You might be familiar with it as you hear it. But it says this, that God works out all things for the good to those who love him 
according to his purposes. Listen to what God is doing in the life of his people. He is leading us to realize, to recognize that he's working. And he's working all things out. Watch this. For your good. Listen, in the midst of the voice that frightens you, in the midst of the things that are trying to rob you, that are killing the hopes and dreams in your life, that are encouraging you to look backward or look to the side, look to the left, look to the right, look, at to, look to the calamity of others. What the scriptures declare is that God is reassuring you and saying, I'm working it all out. All. Somebody say all with me. Because it's all things. Yes, it's all things. It's your financial situation. It's your job situation. It's your education. It's your family life. It's your husband. It's your wife. It's your relationships with your children. It's the, the, the calamity coming towards you. It's the fears. It's the doubts. He's working all those things out for your good. You know why? Because God doesn't work according to men's purposes. God works according to his good purposes. Take a hold of the reassurance, the reassuring voice of God that tells you, I'm in the midst and I'm working this all out. This, it's very possible that there's someone right here right now as you're watching us that you are racked with worry. That you're worrying about how things will work out for you. Maybe something's gone wrong. Maybe there's some trials and tribulations coming your way right now. And you are overwhelmed with worry. Jesus reassures you in Matthew 6. And he says this, why are you worrying? Can you even add a, a, a measure to your stature by worrying? He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient are the cares for today. He says, doesn't God take care of the ravens, the birds of the air, and the lilies of the field? He says, of how much more value are you to him? And so he says, don't worry. And I'll tell you why Jesus tells us don't worry about tomorrow. I'll tell you why he says sufficient are the cares of today. Because Jesus is saying, you're here worrying about tomorrow, and you're missing what I'm doing in your life today, right now. Lean in to the voice that reassures you and tells you, don't worry. Go ahead and tell somebody, don't worry. Go ahead and post to somebody, don't worry. Go ahead and share with somebody, don't worry. Go ahead and declare, I'm not worrying. My God is in my midst. God is for me. Who can be against me? Greater is he within me than he that is in the world. God is working all things out for you. He's reassuring you right now at this moment. The next point that I want to share with you is that God's voice convinces you. Satan's voice condemns you. Listen to John 16 verses 8 through 11. We looked at this verse last week, but I want to show you something here. It says, and when he has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, speaking of the one who now lives with you, the one who reminds you of the words of the Father, he says this, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, for the majority of people, when they hear that God convicts us 
as it says in these verses, what we hear and what we immediately envision is God pointing down to us. We see him dealing with us in judgment, in condemnation. We envision God as the hammer and we're the nail. We envision lightning bolts coming down from heaven. We envision an angry God. And that word convict there has nothing to do with condemnation. It has nothing to do with pointing the finger. You know what the word convict there means? It means to convince. And I want you to see what God is convincing you, child of God, of. He's convincing you that you are righteous. He's convincing you that the enemy, the devil, has been judged and that he no longer has power in your life. In the moments where you feel like there's condemnation, like there's guilt, like there's, like there's feelings that are pulling you down, telling you you're not good enough, telling you you won't make it, telling you that you failed God, telling you that you're a hypocrite, understand that that is not God speaking to you. God does not strive to convince you of failure. You know why? Because what he did through Jesus Christ is all you need to guarantee that you are a victor, not a victim. God is good. Listen to the scriptures in Revelations 12, verses 10 and 11. What we see here is the opposite when Satan's voice speaks to you and I, that he comes in the form of condemnation. Listen to Revelations 12, 10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the land and by the word of their testimony. Anytime that you find yourself struggling with thoughts and feelings of ridicule, things that put you down, that tear at you, that leave you feeling or believing that you are shameful, that you are guilty, you must realize that you are entertaining an accuser. You are inviting into your heart and into your life, Satan. And his accusations have one purpose, to keep you from that which is true. Your testimony, the power of God in you. And so listen closely to uh, Revelations chapter 12 once again. It says that they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You overcome by the truth of what God has already done in you. He's not condemning you. He's convincing you that what he's done is all complete. You are righteous. You are holy. You are forgiven. You are good. More than good. You are more than good enough. You are God's child. And the last point I want to share with you today comes out of John chapter 13, verse 34. And it's this, 
that God's voice connects you to the body while Satan's voice isolates you from the body. Listen to what God, what God's voice does. It draws you to be in unity with his people. But the voice of Satan, it seeks to isolate you. You know, we're in a day and age where we, where, where people are social distancing. And I get it. I get the precautions. I understand that. But what I want you to see is that social distancing is not an excuse to be distant from the heart of God. To have a people who love and care and support and strengthen and build and encourage all that God has done in you. John 13, 34, we read the words of Jesus. He says, a new command I give you. This is at the end of his life. In other words, he's saying this is a game changer. From this point forward, there's a new way. And he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Watch this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, the journey as a disciple of Christ does not happen apart or in isolation from the church. While you may know that God loves you, just understand this, that that experience, the love of God, does not happen in your mind or in your thinking. The love of God is revealed, according to the words of Jesus, in close relationship amongst his people. You know, I want to take a moment to just brag on the people of church at the bridge. And my boast is in what God is doing in you. You know... During these difficult times where we're being encouraged to stay home, to be apart physically, there are countless testimonies of the power of God working in the lives of each and every one of us at Church at the Bridge. But let me tell you what's at the root of it. It's a people that understand the heart of God. I am so proud of you that you are picking up your phone and caring for another. I'm so proud of you that you are taking of your resources and you are meeting needs amongst other people. I am so proud of you that you are praying and that you are caring and that you are encouraging the people of God. Listen, God is on the move and at work in the lives of people. And it is because people like you know the voice of God that draws you, that beckons you, that pulls you to understand and to act in a place of faith where you know now's not the time to be isolated. Now's the time to love one another, to care for one another, to share the word of God with each other, to pray with each other. See, you, Church at the Bridge, and hey, maybe Church at the Bridge is in your home, but right here, right now, this resonates in your heart. And what you're seeing is that maybe, just maybe, the reason why you've felt alone is because you've been listening to a voice that encourages you to be isolated. You don't have to be alone anymore. You have a family that you belong to. And we say, welcome home. We say, God loves you. And we tell you what the word of God says, that no height, no depth, no width, no length, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And nothing will separate you 
from the love of God working through his people. You belong. You're not alone. I want to encourage you today for you who are watching here, those of you that watch this later on, to make it a priority to go beyond the regulations of social distancing. See, you don't have to be with someone to be social. You don't have to be with someone to express love. Love knows no boundaries. Love knows no limitations. See, love is the power of God. And you can share that with someone today. I want to encourage you to pick up your phone. And go beyond just texting someone. Why don't you call someone? While you're on your way to work, if you have that ability, while you're on the way to shop for some needs, some groceries, why not pick up something extra and just show up to somebody that God has placed in your heart and knock on their door and drop something off to them? Why not continue to be the church? See, the church is not a building. The church is you, people of God. The church is you who have been afar from God and God's telling you today you belong. See, the voice of God is beckoning us to unite, not to isolate. On the other hand, Satan is looking for the opportunity to isolate you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 gives us a good visual of this. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter by inspiration of the Holy Spirit as we close here. He says, be alert. And of sober mind, in other words, wake up. Don't allow yourself to be lulled, to be rocked, to sleep. He says, your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, you got to understand something, that lions, they may be called the king of the jungle, but they don't seek the strongest in the pack. You know what a lion does? They look the weakest among the pack. They look for the one who's lagging from the rest. The one who's alone and isolated. The one who's struggling. And maybe you may be feeling like the enemy's been roaring in your life. But let me tell you something. He is a toothless tiger. He has no power in your life. And maybe you've fallen prey to some of his deception. But I want you to hear what God says to you and to I today. It says, resist him. Standing firm. Watch how you stand. It's not by your power. It's not by good uh, um, and, 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 and happy thoughts. He says this. He says, stand firm in the faith. In what faith? In the faith that we have in Christ and what he has done in your life. Jesus says to you that you can do all things because he is your strength. Jesus says to you, I have not left you alone. I will not leave you orphans. I'm coming to you and I'm here. And I'm leading you into all truth. I'm showing you things to come. I'm helping you. I'm comforting you. I'm on standby waiting for you to just simply walk in partnership with me. And so he says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Watch this because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know what was happening in these days when Peter wrote this as we close here? The church was being persecuted and they were being divided 
And the enemy thought that he was devouring the people of God. But you know what the people of God started doing? They started uniting in homes. They said, hey, I believe what you believe. I know he's risen. I know it's difficult, but let's band together. And so they began to come together as a family. They began to encourage one another. They began to share in their devotion unto God with each other. They began to worship together despite the distance. Nothing can st could stop the family of God from being the family of God. Nothing could stop the power of God at work in them. And I'm telling you right now that there is a liar and a deceiver and a killer that is encouraging people today to live in isolation. live alone but you see in loneliness the voice of God gets drowned out and the roar of our enemy the toothless tiger Satan it yells it causes our hearts to tremble and God's simply saying to you right now unite Don't forget, you're part of the family. Hey, for those of you joining us this morning online, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to look at the feed, the people that are there. And I want you to, by name, call somebody out and tell them, I love you and you belong. You're my family. Go ahead and tell somebody, I need you. And I know that you need me and I'm here for you. Go ahead and tell somebody, listen, here's my number. Private message them. Tell them to call you. Reach out to someone. Love somebody. Because we're a family. And despite what this world tells us and the voice of Satan that roars behind it, we will not be broken. We will not disunite. Instead, we will grow closer. We will be stronger. We will love God and we will love people. We will be the church of this new age. And we will lead and we will shine with the voice of God beckoning us to be strong. Like Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, God is leading you to change. He's leading you into new beginnings. But you and I must know how to distinguish his voice. The voice of God. Today, I pray as we leave from this moment that we've shared together that you will leave not in the hearing of my voice, but you will recognize that God's speaking to you. That He's telling you, just trust me. Just follow me. Just look to me. The voice of God. I pray that today you've been blessed you've been encouraged and that you're drawn closer to God in the stillness of his voice and in the power of his presence as you know. Hey friends and family, thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. 
You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.